Peloton's best offer of the season is here. Get up to $600 off Peloton Bike, Bike Plus, or Tread packages. Choose the package that's right for you with accessories like our cycling shoes, a heart rate band, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. If you've been looking for a sign to join Peloton, this offer gives you everything you need to get going. This limited time offer ends December 6th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 6, 2022. Excludes bike, bike plus, and tread basics. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. Welcome to Chai Desert Radio, the voice of the Jewish Federation of New Mexico. I'm David Wolf, the producer of the series, to welcome you. Before we get into today's program, a few introductory words from Executive Director Zachary Benjamin. So uh, this is an exciting day for the Jewish Federation of New Mexico, and I think indeed for the Jewish community of New Mexico. Um, we're coming up on our 70th anniversary year here in 2018, um, and it's a reminder that uh, we have to uh, stay relevant and evolve with the times in order to most impactfully tell our story. The New Mexico Jewish Link, our, our quarterly newspaper, um, I think has become really the trusted source uh, of printed news and information on Jewish life here in New Mexico. And I hope that in this new medium, we will compel folks to also anticipate and appreciate High Desert Radio just as they do uh, the New Mexico Jewish Link. Um, you know, the podcast medium is really wonderful. It allows us to provide a truly world-class engagement of a broader topical spectrum than we ever have before. It's really going to allow us to both proactively address items um, of both Jewish and general significance um, and also react to uh, issues of the day, current events of concern to our community. So we're especially excited that High Desert Radio is going to be available worldwide on iTunes, um, really exposing a global audience to our uh, unique perspective here as New Mexico Jews. And now a special message from our Federation President, Marvin Gottlieb. This concept of high desert radio is exciting and fulfilling in and of itself, but just to give some background of the genesis of this is that a couple of years ago, the Federation did a major demographic survey uh, of New Mexico, the first one of its kind, and uh, we found out uh, many uh, extraordinary things about the Jews of New Mexico and about the attitudes of uh, the Jews who live in New Mexico. And one of the things that came through since part of our purpose was to enhance the, uh, the vision and, and the purpose of um, uh, federation within the New Mexico community was that according to the general population, we were not doing a sterling job of communicating. And so as one arm of, of that potential. I'm looking forward to uh, high radio as being a real uh, significant outreach to the community, particularly because we can begin to cover topics of interest to a broad spectrum of the community. And in fact, we are going to encourage people to uh, provide us with ideas and topics that we can develop uh, as we go along. Also, I think as a concept, the High Desert Radio supports the culture of innovation, 
that we're fostering these days at the Jewish Federation of New Mexico with the, so many of our programs and our outreach and trying to truly become uh, the, uh, the heart of Jewish New Mexico. On this edition, we're joined by filmmakers Paula Amar Schwartz and by Isaac Ardenstein. They are the co-creators of the new independent feature documentary film entitled Chala Rising in the Desert, the Jews of New Mexico. The film celebrates the history and the people of New Mexico's unique Jewish community with a focus on the five waves of the settlement of Jews here in New Mexico. Paula, the film's producer, she joins us here in studio, and Isaac is joining us from Los Angeles. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Glad to be here. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. It's a great to have you. I have, of course, viewed the film here at a, a wonderful showing in New Mexico. And uh, there was a wonderful reception afterwards where we, you talked, you and Isaac and your team talked quite a bit about uh, the origin of the idea. So, uh, Paul, this may be for you. Take us back to the light bulb, to the moment and, and, and where that came from. It began with the New Mexico Jewish Historical Society's annual fall conference about three years ago, where we showed a film on Jewish settlement in Colorado. When the film was over, I was sitting and talking with a group of people at our table, and I said, you know, we've got a much more interesting story to tell. And everyone said, great idea, why don't you do it? Well, I've never made a film, so... I said, do it. How do I go about doing a film? And that was where the the whole thing stayed for a little while. And about two weeks later, I woke up in the middle of the night with this image of the five-strand braided challah. Mm. And I thought, this is the image of New Mexico's Jewish history. This is the way we should tell the story. And I wrote the little one-page summary that many of you have seen of the five strands of Jewish settlement, and that's where it all began. I wanted to address myself to the genesis of of this whole project. Prior to Paula uh, calling me, I had visited New Mexico with a documentary that I did called Tijuana Jews, about the Tijuana Jewish community where, where I grew up, and it was about 10 or 12 years ago and I showed it, uh, hosted by the Jewish Historical Society of New Mexico in Santa Fe, and, you know, conversations began at that early time. The Historical Society had done a, a really wonderful oral history of the community, with including some descendants of the original pioneers and so on, and uh, I was very fortunate that Paula picked up the phone about eight or ten years later, and said she had a, a similar idea to do something on New Mexico uh, Jewish history, which is fascinating. It's really one of the oldest stories of Jewish settlement in America because the Jewish community in New Mexico goes back to colonial times. So it's from yes, colonial it's a wide, 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 wide time span that you cover. And how how did you, the two of you meet in uh, you know in advance of? Uh coming together to make this film. Let me start out by saying that when I had this idea of the five-strand braid as the image for New Mexico's Jewish community, I had an idea, but I didn't know how to make a film. 
And I sent the one-pager around to a number of people who had been at that conference three years ago and said, um, where do I go from here with it? And the former executive director of Federation, Sam Sokolov, called me that afternoon and said, I've got a filmmaker for you. Isaac Artenstein in in San Diego has been bugging me for years to make a film about Jewish New Mexico. Call him. And I said, you know, he's not going to talk to me. I don't know anything about filmmaking. And Sam said, send him the one-pager and call him. I did. And the rest is history. We've had a wonderful working relationship. Isaac has been a joy to work with. Now, making a documentary film is no easy task, as we all know uh, here in the room. Uh, But I want you to share with our listeners, it involves multiple locations, lining up and scheduling multiple interviews with multiple people that can tell the story through their lens. Talk to us a little bit about how you decided who to uh, interview and and just that process. What what did that look like as you came to New Mexico to shoot these segments with all the uh, storytellers? Well, let me start out by saying that we had a wealth of information, of people, of ideas, partly because we had done the Pioneer interview studies many years ago, 12, 15 years ago is when we began with that. So I had a sense of who we might want to talk with. I've lived here for a good while. I know people in the crypto-Judaic community. I know people in the pioneer descendants community. I know people in the congregations. Uh, So it was just natural to start thinking about who, calling them and saying, would you be interested? And very few people said no. (laughs) They wanted to be a part of this project. Uh, People came to me after we did the promo showing last May and said, you missed a piece of the New Mexico story. You've got to tell the story of the counterculture, the young Jewish hippie kids who came out in the 1960s and 70s looking for communes, looking for a way to build a new life, a new spirituality, a new way of being in the world. And they came to northern New Mexico and founded communes, many communes. And many of those young people were Jewish. And some of the spiritual leaders who joined them, like Ram Dass and Zalman Shachter Shalomi and Shlomo Karlsbach, were all part of this movement to re-examine spirituality and being in the world. So one of the things that happened in the course of the summer following that promo display was that I received in the mail a copy of a collection of photographs collected by Ben Klein. Ben was the nephew of one of the communards who had kept a photo record of everything that happened in New Buffalo, in Lama Foundation, And the University of Nebraska Press had put it together as a publication. And lo and behold, beshared again, it was sent to me to review for the New Mexico Jewish Historical Society's publication, The Legacy. I took one look at it, 
called the University of Nebraska and said, I'll find you a reviewer, but I want to use some Isaac, of did you want to add anything there in terms of the making. process of, of shooting and de deciding how you would uh, eventually accumulate way too much footage? And we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, well, you know, we did shoot about 40 hours of interviews to do a 90-minute film, but that is part of the process, and Paula's incredible access and connection to her community, mm -hmm. because the New Mexico Jewish community is her community, helped immensely, and kind of as a guiding uh, light was the five-strand Hala concept. Yeah. You know, uh, starting with colonial Jews that fled the Inquisition in Mexico and ended up in northern New Mexico. The German pioneers that came down the Santa Fe Trail and settled in the city of Santa Fe and expanded throughout the state with wonderful, very pioneering uh, commercial enterprises that grew fantastically. The scientists at Los Alamos, 25% uh, of them we verified with... Uh, Rabbi Jack Schlachter, the rabbi physicist of Los Alamos, 25% of those people during the Manhattan Project were of Jewish descent or with Jewish-sounding names, if you will. And yeah. then, you know, uh, so, you know, the coming of the railroad before that. So having people that could give us testimonials to the five different strands was what determined the final list of interviewees, if you will. And then you talked about locations. Well, yeah. we traveled to different parts of the state and shot wherever they were or where we, we could consolidate interviews. So that took us on some journeys. And then the state of New Mexico is really kind of a character in itself. So we also made an extra effort to portray the different regions, the different landscapes, both cultural and natural. I think of uh, the state of New visually Mexico the film the is stunning, film. certainly because of the character of New Mexico and your choices uh, along the way. And you mentioned uh, when we did the screening that uh, you know along the way to a particular destination, you would stop to the side of the road and and take a few shots here and there because you'd catch a sunset or you'd catch a certain angle on a, a mountain or something, right? Part of the the beauty of the film is the photography that was done by Sergio Ulua. Mm -hmm. Our photographer was exquisitely sensitive to the landscape as well as to the nuances of the people being interviewed. Yeah. So it, it was a labor of love all the way through. The process of editing a film like this, uh, again, it's no easy task, as you both uh, now have experienced. Talk to us a little bit about what it's like to take source footage from, you know, a sort of out-of-sequence process and begin to assemble it into something that's coherent, that tells the story in terms of the structure using the five strands. And I know your editor, Keith Shapiro, uh, was a huge part of this process, right? So let's just talk about how that, that, that narrative comes together. Yeah, I first started with an assistant before we brought uh, Keith on, and it's a very time-consuming process, but it also gets you familiar with the material. You know, all the 40 hours, the 35-plus interviewees, we broke them down into clips, if you will. Uh, in other words, every single question that was asked, we, we uh, made a separate clip, to get a better idea what each person was contributing, what statements, testimonials we had, 
and then label them so we could have easy access. So every single interviewee was, the, the interview was broken down. And then uh, Paula and I did a lot of thinking because what do you use, what stays from the 40 hours uh, that ends up on the 90-minute finished project, and that really is a factor. What is the theme? You know, you have a story, you have characters, but you have a multiplicity of characters and a multiplicity of stories. How do you put them together? Clearly identify the themes, and based on those themes, I, I wrote an outline, uh, kind of a non-linear outline. I didn't want it to be a chronological telling of the story because like the Hala, the different uh, eras kind of weave in and out of the narrative and yeah. I started looking for an editor and he immediately connected with the material his body of work was very relevant to what we were trying to do he had done stuff for the Story Channel for the Shoah Foundation he did a wonderful piece on Auschwitz mm. and uh, so by the time that Keith got on, we had a pretty good idea of what we wanted to do, and then having the advantage of someone like Keith looking at the material with fresh eyes without the series of prejudices and ideas <laughs> that you stop de start yeah. developing after you yeah. look at stuff over and over again. You become yeah. kind of uh, locked into certain stories and maybe missed a piece here and there, so that was Keith's great contribution that he really understood the story and he helped us really find, you know, the, the relevant testimonials to, to weave it together and make Let it something engaging that. That one for a general of the audience. Parts of this process that I became so fascinated with was interweaving the strands of people with strands of themes because there are five themes also. There are themes that are identity, multiculturalism, transcending difficulties, and faith and belief. And all of those appear in each of the strands. That's right. Superimposed on the periodic strands, uh, if you will, right? Well, that's what made it a challah. Yeah. That's the, that's the weave, and they weave in and mm -hmm. out. And that's what also permitted it to be nonlinear and, if you will, deconstructed, but in a way that is unified through the themes as well. We're visiting with Paula Amar Schwartz and Isaac Artenstein. They are the co-filmmakers, co-creators of a wonderful documentary entitled Hala, Rising in the Desert, the Jews of New Mexico. ask if there was anything from a content perspective, story perspective, that surprised you. Everything about this project has been beshert. And beshert, the Hebrew word, means meant to be, kismet. And it's as if this was waiting to be told. And we were the instruments for telling it. And it, it has that element to it. Uh, it started with finding Isaac as a director, and yeah. the beauty of working with Isaac is just part of that whole meant-to-be process. And then, at the very beginning, 
I was sitting and talking with somebody at University of New Mexico Hillel and said, this is what I want to do. And she goes to her safe and pulls out a manuscript and said, take a look at this. And it was a journal kept by one of the conversos for 40 years. And when this woman was ill and dying, she had sent it to a rabbi, not knowing that the rabbi who had helped her was ill and dying. He dies. His caregivers package up all his books and send them to Hillel. And she finds the manuscript. And there was Holy Moly, the beginning of Strand One. And every step along the way has been something like that. I think you had that feeling from the very, very, very start. And in Sam's call and you're reaching out to Isaac to first uh, incept. The dream that gave me the image of the hollow was like that. I woke up, wrote it down, wrote the one-pager, went back to sleep, woke up the next morning, looked at it, and said, holy moly, this is the story. This is how to do it. Is there more to do? Is the film complete in terms of the filmmaker's vision at this point, and what happens behind that? Well, it is completed. What's happening right now we're getting it uh, ready for, for distribution. It has to be in the right format. We're cleaning up a couple of technical things, a typo or two, nothing uh, major. Um, and uh, so once we finish that, that process, I mean, it is the story that we wanted to tell. Uh, the amazing thing about it is that we actually contemplated having a narrator because, yeah, we have the strengths of the hala being woven, but we have like, you know, three or four centuries of storytelling to do in 90 minutes. So yeah. inevitably, you, you need a narrator. But as it turned out, the community, the people that we interviewed, tell their own story, did a great job. Mm-hmm. So um, the film is, uh, creatively speaking, is pretty much uh, ready to go. Again, there's some technical fixes that we need to get done. And... We're hoping to be going all out in September. As a matter of fact, uh, Paula and uh, Congregation Albert are are already talking about inaugurating their new projection system at the congregation in uh, early September. So that'll be really the launch off, and we're creating a, a distribution program through all the major Jewish film festivals nationally and worldwide, and... Our dream is to actually have it shown nationally on PBS. And to that extent, I have been working on a series called Frontier Jews. I'm editing the San Diego episode. San Diego was kind of the end of the line, you know, where the the further furthest most corner of the Southwest. I've shot Southern Arizona. We're hoping to shoot El Paso. So if that series becomes a reality, it just puts us in a much better position to get Hollow Rising as part of the series for either a major regional broadcast and hopefully keeping our fingers crossed a national pro- uh, broadcast, which reaching that Talk PBS a little audience bit about would be an ideal, the value ideal of making this film to the current population of New Mexico. One of the things that has happened as a result of this is that people are seeing it and coming away and saying to me, I had no idea of our own history. I'm so proud to be a New Mexican. I'm also 
finding people out of state saying there are Jews in New Mexico. I didn't know that. I have to come out and visit and take a better look at what you're talking about. So it's going to bring people in. I, I want to make one other observation. This project could not have taken place had it not been for the encouragement and the help of Federation. You know, the impact of Hullah Rising in the desert, contemporary Jewish society community in New Mexico, well, I think it also is a process of reaffirming your identity. So many times we just go through life, you know, doing the things that we need to do to move forward, survive, and so on. Uh, but we're not always conscious of the rich history, tradition uh, that came before us, and that's really an integral part of who we are. And to that extent, I think that audiences in New Mexico are, are really feeling that. And the ma the magical thing is, when we brought it for a sneak preview to San Diego, it's the same phenomenon. The multiplicity of identities, historical factors, traditions that are so inherent to New Mexico are kind of universal, not just to Jewish people. So that process of sitting in the dark room or wherever you watch films and seeing Hollow Rising, you know, begins kind of a, a really intense personal journey for the viewer. And the last thing I wanted uh, to add, actually two things, if, if I may. Uh, Paul and I are now actively fundraising to create an archive of the 40 hours, we're going to curate the 40 hours, so each interviewee, uh, many of them, not many, but some of them that didn't make it to the final film or sections that did not make it to the final film, they will be edited in a continuum and transcribed and then put online. So this hollow rising in the desert, the juice of New Mexico, will continue to grow, to expand, especially through the interactivity that the uh, that the web and, and a well-curated archive can add to the experience. Wonderful, com is the website where you can learn more and more as the story continues to unfold. Of course, the distribution plan and the viewing of films, the consumption of it by people internationally is absolutely a part of the story, as is you know extending the film into uh, a new reality. So... Uh, I want to thank you both for joining us on the program on High Desert Radio. Congratulations to you both. Well, thank you so much. It's been our pleasure not only to make a wonderful film, but to have people like you experience it and come back and say, gee, this was great. Tell us more. Thank you both for joining us. Isaac, thank you, too. Thanks for having us, David. I really enjoyed it. And what a great opportunity to, to talk to the people of New Mexico uh, via your podcast. So uh, I just encourage people to, again, you know, check out the website so you can find the trail of Hollow Rising if it shows uh, sometime soon in your community. That's it for this edition of High Desert Radio. Thanks so much for listening. High Desert Radio is the voice of the Jewish Federation of New Mexico. Remember, you can subscribe to this series on iTunes and be sure to visit us at jewishnewmexico.org. Till next time, for High Desert Radio, I'm David Wolf.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.